Welcome to Wilma's series on OEM updates with this week's session on moral injury. My name is Dr. Alia Khan and I am today's moderator. Wilma is a Western Occupational and Environmental Medicine Association and a subcomponent of ACOM. We have designed these Wilma podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for Wilma members to stay current on topics of interest to occupational and environmental medicine physicians. The Wilma Education Committee members involved in planning this session and today's speaker have no relevant financial relationships to disclose. We have been spending a lot of time consuming information on COVID-19 and as occupational medicine physicians, we are keenly attuned to the occupational risks of our fellow healthcare workers. Earlier in our podcast series, we spent time talking about PPE and how to effectively protect those on the front lines. What we also came to understand is the realization that COVID-19 would have impacts on the mental well-being of healthcare workers, both in the short term and long term. Recently, an ER physician, Dr. Lorna Breen, died by suicide after dedicating her last moments in taking care of COVID-19 patients, which is a loss one too many. How can occupational medicine physicians support our colleagues in the midst of this pandemic and in the long term? We are pleased to have Dr. Mona Masood here to help us answer these. Dr. Masood is an American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology Certified General Outpatient Psychiatrist practicing in the greater Philadelphia area after completing her general adult psychiatry residency at Temple University Hospital and medical school at Edward Via Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She is also a board member of Muslim Wellness Foundation, an American nonprofit mental health awareness and education organization. She often leads community mental health education events and her most recent role is the founder and chief organizer of the Physician Support Line a national free and confidential peer support line by volunteer psychiatrists for U.S. physician colleagues during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Masood, welcome to Wilma's podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So as we're grappling with all the concerns of how COVID-19 is affecting us medically, I often think of all the underlying mental health issues many physicians have had even before COVID-19, and I've attended my share of lectures on physician burnout. So can you help us understand what is burnout versus moral injury? Sure. <clears throat> so the concept of burnout is uh, something that I think a lot of uh, professions um, relate to, and it actually was built from uh, different professions, um, non-medical, and it is usually the um, defined as a constellation of symptoms such as malaise, fatigue, frustration, cynicism, inefficiency um, that arise from uh, excessive demands on our energy, strength, or resources in the workplace. And um, those things are you know, uh, relatable to medicine in some way. But I have found in, you know, reading more about it and honestly wanting to define it for myself on what are physicians really feeling when it comes to um, that that overwhelming sense of futility or helplessness that a lot of our, our peers talk about amongst uh, physician circles. And we keep saying the word burnout but I, I find that it is actually something uh, a bigger than that. So burnout, all of those things I described, fatigue, frustration, inefficiency, 
those are internal stressors. Those are things that we feel internally um, and they're individual to individual. And so then if it is an internal problem, then we feel then the solution must also be on the individual to fix it. And then, you know, you lead to things like, um, uh, you know, advocating for things like self-care and self-care is, you know, seen as spa day or take a day off or a vacation or, or those kind of things, which, you know, superficially sound like, yeah, that would help, but they don't address the underlying problem. And because the underlying problem isn't actually an individual internal issue, it is actually a lot larger and it's more of a systems-based problem. And that is where we get to this concept of um, moral injury. And to tell you a little bit about moral injury, moral injury was first described in veterans returning from Vietnam. And people were trying to understand why our soldiers were coming back with, um, you know, not just PTSD type of symptoms, not just being hypervigilant and not only having like these kind of anxiety reactions and being easily triggered by noises and those kind of things, but they were actually coming back feeling like their moral compass was compromised in some way while they were at war. And, and, simil and similarly, I think that this concept applies to physicians because not only is it that we're talking all the time about you know, the frontline health workers or, you know, the war zone or being drafted or all of these kind of war terminology we're using towards physicians and healthcare workers now. Um, it is also that they are not going to just have these kind of um, anxiety reactions, but they're going to feel morally injured or feel that they um, were not able to act um, in a way that uh, they are... Uh, you know, living um, up to their moral standards. So what I mean by that is that moral injury occurs when we perpetrate, bear witness, um, or fail to prevent an act that transgresses our, our moral compass. And in medicine, that can definitely happen um, where we feel that you know, we don't have the time, we don't have the resources, we don't have um, the support from either, um, you know, federal levels or a systems levels to in order for us to do what we signed up to do, which is take care of the patients. Hmm. I think how you describe the difference, um, it really resonates with a lot of us because, like you said, the solution is different. And if you think if it's burnout, the solution really won't work for what we're, many of us are dealing with is moral injury. Um, are there any, so are there any steps we as individual healthcare workers, specifically those on the front lines can take now to navigate moral injury? And what about in the long term? Sure, so first I would encourage that people try to reframe what is going on for them internally. Um, so burnout, remember, is due to the broke uh, to the concept of a broken individual that you're not cut out to be a doctor, and moral injury is due to a broken system that the system is not doing you and the patient a service, or they're actually doing you a disservice. So first, we have to reframe what we're feeling, and so when we can see things as being more than just ourselves or an individual failure, 
then we can actually work on the next steps. So in terms of like immediately how to deal with these kind of overwhelming feelings of helplessness, um, such as guilt and shame and anger and resentment, which we have internally, um, the, the things that we have to understand is that guilt and shame are almost normal reactions to a helpless situation, especially mm -hmm. when we are you know, not at fault for these, uh, these things. We feel like we want to do right by our patients. So when we're not able to, we, we have the reaction of guilt. Um, and understand that these hard emotions also have purpose. Um, their purpose is that they, they remind us that we have a moral compass. A, a worse feeling is to have apathy. So the fact that you care enough to have guilt is telling you that your heart is still alive. You're still in some way invested in your profession in a moral way. So there is that kind of affirmation that is a first step that you have to take, that this negative emotion that we're having is actually an affirmation that, you know, I'm, I'm still here, I'm still human, I still want to do right. Um, and then we take those kind of uh, feelings and then we, um, we move then towards forgiveness of ourself, that inner reconciliation where we acknowledge that, you know, the, uh, where we weren't able to do more, but also understand that we are people, we are humans, we're not necessarily heroes, we're just humans helping other humans. And in that, we have we are allowed to be fallible. And so then we take that and then the next step uh, after we do this, internal reconciliation of, of what is going on with us and our moral injury is that we center on things that we can control. So first things in this kind of situation for COVID, for example, is we have to understand and we center that I, I can't control the virus. I can't control the decimation that is happening, but I can control immediately this uh, creating a safe space for myself and my family, having a decontamination protocol when I get home to limit exposure, planning for when I get sick, planning for if, when I can no longer make decisions, um, planning on how I spend my time away from work, what does quality time look like, um, and finding emotional support from friends and family and colleagues. So that's kind of the immediate um, concentration that we can have in order to feel in control and to lessen that feeling of moral injury. The more delayed and, and the distant and long-term um, problem solving lies in, you know, say, okay, after COVID, I'm going to um, attend or request administrative meetings where uh, the physician, my, me and my physician colleagues can actually have input and we can debrief on situations. I'm going to advocate for transparency and collaboration in future disaster responses. Mm -hmm. And if my pay and financial security are jeopardized, I'm going to organize and discuss hazard pay. These are just examples. And then mm -hmm. finally, long-term things would be how to make this sustainable, political and social advocacy. Thank you for detailing this because I think many of us find the solutions previously vague on how to, to, to navigate moral injury, but this helps to think of this in more concrete terms. 
Um, do you have any advice for occupational medicine physicians like myself in how we can support our colleagues dealing with moral injury? Sure. I think this is something that we can offer across the board. You know, occupational medicine, of course, but in general, how physician support physicians is very important because it's a peer support. There is a, um, when it comes to peer support, there is already an understanding of a journey. There's a shared experience. And you already have that with your colleagues, whether we're frontline or not. We have that shared experience. We went through medical school together. We did um, you know, our exams together. We even did parts of our residency training together. We know the hospital. We know the system. We, we know um, legislation and the, the way that um, you know, even the federal government has a role in our lives. So when we have a shared experience, you're already done more than half the work. What comes next from you know, either being an occupational medicine physician or being any other physician supporting one another is, is what we call creating a safe space or holding space for someone. And what that means is um, concretely again, because I do also like concrete examples um, that can be used in the moment, is that when you're holding safe space for someone and they're overwhelmed or they're experiencing some moral injury, what you can do is something like what I was talking about. Encourage the person to talk about things that they do have in control and what they do have um, you know, in front of them that they can act upon rather than the catastrophic feeling itself. So if the person is talking about, you know, I'm so worried that I'm going to get sick. I'm so worried that every day that this is the day I'm going to get corona. Then you talk about, um, well, you know, what kind of things did you do today to kind of prevent that from happening? Can you give yourself credit for doing those things? What more were you expecting that you could do? And, and give them affirmation of what they did do. But more importantly, keep the space open for them to say their narrative. And um, another good thought is to keep things open-ended. When people come to us sometimes, um, we're very eager to make that person feel better. Um, but really, that's more about us. We just want to feel better because we're, fe we're feeling uncomfortable for their sake and for our sakes of hearing a difficult topic. So I would challenge all of us to be aware of our own discomfort when dealing with someone else's problems. And um, and I would challenge us to keep asking open-ended questions and um, prevent ourselves from trying to be too solution-focused. Instead of giving them, well, did you try this? Did you try that? Which are very much yes or no questions. Try asking things for them to elaborate. Well, what then what happened? Then how did you work on that? How did you navigate through this? Oh, I see. And tell me more. Anything that keeps conversation going is going to help the other person process their journey. Well, I think those are really great tips. Um, and as physicians, we're very solution oriented. Um, right. And uh, it's something of a challenge, I think, for us to not just provide a solution to people. Um, and finally, can you tell us a little bit about the physician support line that you found and how we can spread the word? 
Sure, absolutely. So along the same terms of what we're discussing here, the physician support line, again, is a peer-to-peer -peer service. Because again, you know, for lack of better word, you just get it when you went through the same journey. And so we have created this peer-to-peer uh, -peer support line for our physician colleagues. It's made by doctors for doctors, no organizational or institutional um, oversight or affiliation. It is purely grassroots of a bunch of volunteers who just answered the call to be there for and to hold that kind of um, safe space I was discussing for their physician colleagues anytime that they would want it um, to just you know, talk about their lives, to work through anything that might be on their mind. You don't have to be in crisis to call. Actually, most of our callers are just discussing things that are kind of day-to-day -day stressors for them that we can help them work through. Um, and I guess what I would say is, you know, whenever you can, the way you can spread the word on our service is, of course, to direct people to www.physiciansupportline.com, um, which will have the number on there. Or you can, um, you know, we have infographics um, all over various physician groups that you can share, or, um, or you can even just um, share uh, the infographic from our website itself. But more importantly than just talking about physician support line, you know, be okay with normalizing physician wellness. And what I mean by that is, you know, talk when you're not feeling well, reach out to someone. You can talk to anyone and more importantly, talk to each other. Um, these bonds, we understand what we're going through. These bonds are pretty strong amongst physicians. And to admit that you're human and that you're struggling, that is giving implicit permission for others to say the same thing. And we can, in that way, by normalizing physician wellness, we can really, you know, we, we can be well collectively. Well, Dr. Masood, thank you for providing us with the most up-to-date information, which I know many of us will find useful. And thank you for all the work you're doing to support our own workforce. We will also have the link available for the physician support line on our website next to this podcast. For anyone listening, the phone number for the physician support line is 888-409-0141. On behalf of the WOMA Education Committee, the WOMA Board of Directors, and myself as moderator of this podcast, I want to sincerely thank our speaker, Dr. Mona Masood, and also thank those of you who listened. The goal of these WOMA podcasts is to update you on a topic of current interest to occupational medicine. We know that this topic raises many more questions, and we hope that this information will generate further interaction beyond this podcast. And this concludes today's podcast. Thank you.